Welcome to Farming for Health, where Farmer Lee Jones and I talk with leaders in food, farming, and health and wellness to spread knowledge and inspire a plant-forward future, starting now. Welcome to the Farming for Health podcast. I'm Dr. Amy Cipolla, and today I'm joined by Callie Cavanaugh. She is an author, chef, and designer of Eating In by Design. Welcome, Callie. Thank you for being here. Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to, to finally connect with you. Yes, I'm so excited to talk with you, and I'd love to just start off by learning more about your journey of how you got into the culinary world and what led you to culinary school. Yeah, that journey started when I was very young. <laughs> when I was like... Five, I kind of I kind of got into the kitchen and I loved my mom was a pretty big cook and so I think that's kind of what drew me there and then I just kind of started going there for for fun for fun you know and um, I would make up these random concoctions and all of a sudden like I really wanted an audience so I brought my my friends and my family to kind of watch me do these like quasi cooking shows this was before the Food Network, so <laughs> it, weren't as, it wasn't as professional. <laughs> um, and so it was always, you know, it's always been like a love of mine. And I actually, when I graduated high school, I went to college uh, to study business. And it was about a year and a half in, and I was like pulling out my hair, like this is not where I'm supposed to be. And so I kind of made this, you know, transition uh, to culinary school. And, and ever since then, it's just, you know, all been about food, which is great. So then I trained and studied in Italy, which was amazing. And that kind of totally transformed my relationship with food. You know, before it was like really all about flavor. And then I saw in Italy how it was like, just like really part of their culture. It was about like respecting that time as a place to like gather with other people and be social and, and also like a time to slow down. Um, and then I had my own health problems and that kind of mainly gut problems. And so that, um, that brought me into like more nutrition and health through food. So there's been quite a, quite a long journey with it. <laughs> um, but yes, it start, started in my own home kitchen around five. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me more about your own health journey and kind of how, how food helps support that as well? Yeah, most definitely that. Um, I, I'm pretty athletic. Like I like, I like to be active in sports. And so that started at a young age as well. Um, when I was in high school, I found like my appetite was, was raging. Like I was just always mm -hmm. eating and that kind of escalated, uh, especially when I was in college and, you know, I was finding like, I would eat a whole meal and then I would finish everyone else's plate, you know, if I was eating with other people and then I would still be hungry. <laughs> and I was, and then all of a sudden I was like very fatigued and, it, my joints were achy. And so long story short is we found that I had a tapeworm. And so it probably, I probably had it for many years, unfortunately. Oh, wow. um, and, and I thought that I had it. And fortunately, like my Western doctors were not really, they, they kind of poo-pooed me and were like, I, I think it's, I think you're okay. Like just get more rest. And none of it was really working. So, so thankfully an Eastern uh, functional medicine doctor helped me kind of spot, spot this tapeworm. And then I just took a ton of herbs and for about a week, um, kind of had like flu-like symptoms to kind of pass this this little guy. <laughs> um, oh, and so, yeah. And so unfortunately, like after that, you know, there's relief, but then my gut was kind of messed up. The, mm -hmm. the flora, the good bacteria was kind of stripped. And so it took me a while to like, number one, understand even how to eat um, to feel good because... I had been just trying to, to maintain, you know, showing up for work, right? Yeah. Um, but so long story short is I worked with many nutritionists and functional medicine doctors to really, number one, like pinpoint this, my food sensitivities, my food intolerances, like kind of understanding the difference between those things and then starting a couple elimination diets to to really get back on track. And it took about like two years for me to, I started on this a FODMAP diet um, mm -hmm. and, you know, it got less and less restrictive over the couple of years. But I remember I started it and I thought it was going to be two weeks, which I thought, okay, I, I can do two weeks, right? Yep. <laughs> it's like, it's like two years later and <laughs> I'm still on it and, and grateful to be on it. Right. Because when I, when I kind of get, when I got off of it, like I, I never felt good. So that, 
actually is very much the impetus of of my book eating in by design and this kind of method that i've that i brought to life the eden method to really i didn't understand my body prior to this experience like i didn't understand what foods really worked for me or didn't work for me and i was just like always always brain fog right always feeling fatigue and and i had no idea that food you know my relationship to food had such an impact on that so Mm -hmm. um really the those two years you know at the beginning it was such a struggle but it was one of those are like really, really important years for me to really understand the value of food, you know, in every single moment of my life. Yes. And so for people who don't know about FODMAPs, low FODMAPs are essentially fermentable oligosaccharides, essentially foods that don't necessarily get fermented by the gut bacteria. So um, it helps to control a lot of digestive symptoms and can be one like kind of therapeutic intervention um, to help with kind of gut dysbiosis or kind of balancing out who's there um and so I can never describe that so thank you that's okay and that's I I think you know it can be really beneficial and but it also can be hard to get off of too and so I think it's interesting though to think about the relationship of food as you start to clear up some of those intolerances and sensitivities and you can actually start to notice how your body's reacting to foods. Can you talk more with me about what that experience was like and how you even began that process? Totally. Yeah. I, um, so I had like a food journal and this was like a two, you know, (laughs) it was very detailed as this Excel spreadsheet. I think I actually still have it. Um, you know, it was like the time of day, uh, you know, my emotional state, my physical state, right. What I was Mm -hmm. eating like specifically. And so this was really where I started to realize, like when I ate out, I never, I, I actually didn't understand what I was eating, right? Like I didn't, I didn't know the oils or the specific things that were actually in my food. And so I didn't know how that was, what, what were the things that were contributing to these symptoms that I was having. So I actually, those, at least those first two weeks, um, you know, just really, really was strictly eating at home for that time. So I understood every single thing that I was eating. Um, and so I would, I would log, you know, every single thing, snacks, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, et cetera, and my symptoms. And, and even after the first two weeks were, was not a FODMAP diet. It was actually just a eliminating, I think it was like gluten and dairy and, um, you know, some other grains or something. And I, at, there was one day within that period that I didn't have bloating. And I was, I said to my nutritionist, I'm like, hey, we're getting somewhere, <laughs> And she's like, Callie, you should never have bloating. Like one day, yes, we should celebrate. <laughs> we should celebrate the one day of ease, but like that one day is how you should be every day. So then we switched to the FODMAP. And once again, it was just, you know, what am I eating? All these specific things. And then I worked with her, the nutritionist, to really look at like, okay, today there was a little bit of bloating, right? Because then, mm-hmm. then I got to this point where it was, I was actually feeling good most days and the bloating was irregular right rather than the vice versa so then we would look at you know i learned that um you know some foods i was symptomatic right away and other foods i was symptomatic like three days later so Mm -hmm. it got kind of like this puzzle or a mystery that we were solving right or unsolving um and so she, she was very helpful because i was still pretty like in a brain fog um, I realized that I'm I'm very sensitive to gluten. And so for me, um, you know, eating gluten, I have like a three-day, you know, post-symptomatic kind of brain fog, which is really, um, yeah, it's really challenging. Like I was trying, I was drinking so much caffeine to even try to be myself, right? But when I just eliminated the gluten, like I didn't need the caffeine. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really cool to see, you know, how I was trying to um, manipulate, right? These symptoms yeah. and yet like just eliminating this one thing, I could actually just be at ease, right? Um, yeah, and then like dairy, for example, I realized that I'm, I'm symptomatic pretty much right away after I, I eat that. And it's actually more like cramping in my stomach so I really saw that there's different foods, like I interact with them in different ways and then like different time scales, right? 
Um, and then, you know, now if I am going out to a restaurant, like I can kind of prepare myself, you know, I know what I'm getting myself into, I guess I would say. <laughs> yeah. I've heard, um, Andrea Nakayama talk about like kind of, you're kind of driving down your lane and then once you kind of understand what you're sensitive to or intolerant of every now and then you may choose to go out of your lane but you can make that like conscious (laughs) conscious choice and most of the time stay in the lane (laughs) yeah most of the time exactly (laughs) yeah yeah and I think that's so important though to be able to kind of clear up like the muddy waters right and so that you can understand what your symptoms are coming from or caused by because a lot of times when you're in the thick of it and like you said you have the brain fog it's really difficult to know what's causing what and it all kind of seems too complicated until you start kind of peeling away the layers yeah I actually was thinking about it recently like those those two years and maybe it was even more to be fully honest like Mm -hmm. I was in such a like a fear with food, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. right? Just trying to figure out like, am I gonna be okay? You know, right. <laughs> um, and can I show up as myself today? And and it feels really amazing. I feel so grateful to finally be on the other side, where like I feel empowered with food every day, mm-hmm. right? And I know, okay, if I'm if I'm choosing to eat this, like you said, I'm, I might feel something, and yet like I am at least in control of that. You know, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Yes. Whereas before it was kind of this crab shoot and it was really challenging. So yeah, long, long story short is I feel, feel grateful to be on the other side. And, and that's part of why like I'm sharing this book and this knowledge with people because I, I didn't even realize how, you know, how much I was struggling. Um, and I think many of us are in that same place, right? We just, we just don't even know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A message from our sponsor. The Chef's Garden is a family-owned regenerative farm that grows the most flavorful and nutritious vegetables, herbs, and microgreens for culinary professionals and home cooks. For over 30 years, the Chef's Garden has supplied some of the world's finest chefs and restaurants. Now, through Farmer Jones Farm, the same delicious ingredients are available to home cooks in the United States to use and enjoy, delivered directly to their homes. The Chef's Garden mission is to grow exceptional vegetables, care for each other in the land, and to inspire a vegetable-forward future. For more information, visit chefs-garden.com. So one of the things you say is that you've come to see that distrust in food has led to confusion of what to do and, like, what not to eat. Like, what to eat, what not to eat. And too little time and too much information have created overwhelm and frustration. Many Mm. simply don't know where to start on their journey to well-being. And I love that. How do you even start to guide people who are feeling this way? Yeah, totally. I mean, it – so there's (laughs) really – what what I teach is intuitive eating. So it's mm-hmm. really about stop listening to the noise because there's there's a, probably a new fad diet that started today that we don't even know about, right? Right, <laughs> there's, exactly, there's so every many. day. <laughs> so you could, you could literally, if you're just following the trends, like you could just be <laughs> eating a new diet every day, right? So rather than looking ex, you know, on the exterior to those types of diets or even to commercials, advertisements, the latest superfood, all those things, like there's definitely valuable information and there's like sense of discovery and curiosity that, that I, you know, really try to inspire with people, but it's, it's really first starting to get to know yourself. So similar to the journey that I went on, um, it's, it's really about starting with like, what are your intolerances? Where is your gut health? And then, and then really curating like a, a set of foods that you feel comfortable with and for some people that's all foods and that's amazing and so now we get to play and like in this moment what are you actually craving and um if you're you know if you if you don't have the best gut health and you're eating a lot of processed foods those you know when we say cravings for a lot of people that's more processed food <laughs> and yet like if you actually get to a place like i guess you know, I would say where I am today, like, I just crave like leafy greens. Right? <laughs> like my, uh, my dad and I just went on this large um, trip to Nepal, and we were eating like rice every single day. And all I wanted when I got home was a huge salad for like a whole week. I was like, I can only eat vegetables. <laughs> um, so really, it's about getting to know yourself. And also, 
really about seasonal eating because mm-hmm. in um and this is somewhat drawn from like ayurveda which right. which really states you know if we're in like cold weather uh you're probably more craving like a soup or something warm right rather than like mm-hmm. a cold salad so i think a lot of people think that healthy eating is is just greens and it can't taste good tastes like bird food or something but really what i'm empowering people to do is like tune into what are you actually craving and if you're not thinking about the latest diet trend or whatever then whatever you put on your plate if it's whole nutritious seasonal food that's going to nourish you more than anything else um and so and i also think there's there's something about cooking your own food there's a sense of accomplishment there's this um there's there's this real gratitude that comes with it that if you also add that to your plate that that nourishment you're nourishing yourself you're taking that time it's like a self it's an act of self care and whether that's 5 minutes or 10 minutes putting something together or if it's 30 minutes like that that sense of gratitude is is there no matter what and that's I love empowering that. and i think acknowledging that it's an act of self care cuz oftentimes it feels like just another to do and so it's like it's almost just a mindset shift of instead of just another to do or something to check off the list, if you can get mindful and present in that moment, the energy that you're putting into that food is the energy that you are consuming. Totally. And we, and that's actually one of the main things that we talked about in like the very first module of this Eden method is like, is also even choosing like dining ware that you love or using cooking equipment that you love. Because like you said, it is that it's all about a mindset shift. It's about the energetics of, of what you're doing. Right. And so, if you are if you're finally to that place where you feel good and have energy and you're you know you're thriving like those subtle shifts of energy like really make a difference and mm-hmm. um other people can feel that if you're cooking for your family and loved ones you're nourishing them on a very deep level as well and i think one of the things i hear often and i'm sure you hear as well is people say just tell me what to eat like i just want to know what to eat and like you were saying it's not necessarily that simple because it really it changes daily based on the needs of your body which can change by the week especially for females like with the menstrual cycle it can change based on that Um, your body's needs change seasonally like you said with ayurveda like having more cooked foods in the winter actually helps the digestibility right and so we know like raw foods are a little more difficult to digest you have more digestive power in the spring versus the winter and so it all like ties together and makes so much sense but it is complicated in the sense that there's no like quick easy fast answer of like oh you just eat this one thing all the time and then you'll be super healthy and it's all good (laughs) you know I wish it was that easy exactly (laughs) yes and yeah, I think and that's the beauty of diversity and seasonality, as you were saying. Yeah, I was also going to say that, like, you know, where you are versus, let's just say, someone in Italy versus Japan, like, there's completely different terroirs. And, you know, I think this goes very much in line with what you all do. It's like, whatever is most seasonal is going to be most nutritious and in what's local to you that hasn't, you know, traveled so many a huge distance as well goes into it all these different things is like if you really tap into what you want and you look at what's around you it's all going to be right there so and you can't you know this it's beautiful because those things change throughout the seasons and it's and it's perfect for your body (laughs) so if you just listen to those things you're going to be in tune you know with the season and your body all at the same time and it actually becomes relatively easy um, it does take a period of getting used to, and and like you said, uh, kind of prompting this question. It's like it is really first kind of tuning out the noise mm-hmm. to just really trust, you know, yourself and your gut. Yeah, yeah, and that's sometimes the ultra processed foods and like highly processed foods can trick our minds into believing that we want more of them. And so, totally again with like clearing the muddy waters, like sometimes it is. Yeah. Getting, those, getting rid of those things for a bit so that you can actually yes. tune into like what your body needs and not be constantly in that cycle of it. those foods kind of tricking you into wanting more and more. Yes, it's actually a huge, that's part of um, this Eden method is actually educating mm-hmm. people if they don't already know that, yes, we, I mean, 
these huge food, food companies have done a really good job of making these foods pretty addictive. And so if we don't know that off the bat, we'll just continue being addicted to them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, first clearing those out is, is definitely a vital step. <laughs> yeah. So I want to talk more about the Eden method and how like basically your relationship with food improves your health. Can you yeah. dive more into like explaining the Eden method a little bit and exploring more of that relationship piece? Yeah, most definitely. So the, the Eden method has seven different components. So we first clear and organize our kitchens because it's really about creating a space that we want to be in. Like you said, cooking has become, we've become such a convenient, you know, culture of convenience, right? Mm-hmm. We want something in a moment. We want takeout, Grubhub, et cetera. And we think like, we don't even have time for cooking, right? That, that feels like a chore. And yet this is really a mindset shift to understanding the power and the empowerment of actually cooking for yourself and, and how that feels. And once we actually make time for that, once we make that a priority, how much better we feel not only, you know, in our physical bodies, but like we were saying before, that sense of accomplishment, that mindset, that mental state is also boosted as well. So we first clear and organize our kitchens. This is, this is kind of, you know, coming from my chef background um, to, to make it an organized space, to make it a place that is easy to, to be in, to, that feels, you know, comforting and approachable and welcoming and inviting and and also um sets us up so it's actually easy to cook in (laughs) right because if you have you know all of your things kind of disorganized in your kitchen and you know you have pots and pans above the stove and they're heavy and you kind of you know take 10 minutes to get them down before you cook every time that that adds up you're going to be kind of not wanting to be there. So we first really optimize our kitchen so that we want to spend time there. Um, and then the, the third component is building. And that's really what we've been talking about in terms of building our personal pantry, which first really dives into understanding ourselves and our own food sensitivities, if we have any um, intolerances, etc. And then building a, a pantry that, that really is nutrient dense. Um, so that also involves kind of clearing that processed food, like we said, and then we dive into um, the simple act of planning. I think we, we often forget to plan, but if we yeah. take those, those 10, five, whatever minutes um, to really set ourselves up for success, so we always have those healthy meals on hand, uh, you know, our lives are kind of transformed. So then we move after we plan, we shop and we learn how to shop, you know, with places, we find places such as Farmer Jones, um, you know, and really high quality produce. Uh, and obviously if we're eating meat and et cetera, like really looking beyond the nutrition as well. And also how are the places that we're purchasing from, how are they actually restoring our land and contributing to like a better planet? Mm -hmm. Um, and then also cooking, then cooking, right? If we have this really beautiful, set of ingredients to work with. We have a space that we want to be in. We have our meals planned out and the time in which we're, we're making those meals planned out. And we feel like, okay, we're not stressed. We can be here. Yeah. <laughs> then cooking kind of becomes like a therapeutic act, right? It's something that we can look forward to. And, and once again, eating is, is really a time um, to pause in our day, time for stillness, time where we can connect with ourselves, others, you know, the planet, right? We can look at a plate of food. If we can actually um, be in that restful place, we can really share gratitude for everything that's on our plate um, and really kind of feel actually that relationship with the land and the farmer who cultivated the food and the chef who put it together, which might be ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it, and it also becomes a place for, for socializing, right? For spending time with our loved ones, which um, I think, you know, we've become so good at connecting digitally and we've kind of almost not forgot, but we've, we've put, you know, connecting physically like lower on the priority totem pole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so if we can kind of boost that, uh, bring it back up to the top of our priorities, like it's amazing how much, um, how much better we feel. You know, I found that in my journey, um, you know, I didn't have this mindful eating component, you know, before, I don't know what actually triggered that, to be honest, but, but I, I found, you know, I was eating the cleanest I had ever 
eaten, right? I was on that FODMAP and there was just something missing, right? And so is that real need and desire to bring like friends together around the table that um, was so, so vital and important for me. So that's kind of an outlook of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's a beautiful method and it actually perfectly leads into my next question because you mentioned studying in Italy and that connection and the culture there. And, you know, I think you share um, that there was like a newfound respect for the food with everyone you care for. Can you tell me about how the culture and the connection became really important to you in that eating experience and how you brought that home too? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm still trying to figure out how to bring that back. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's such a different culture. Um, yeah, but I, I think one of the, there are many things that really stood out. I mean, number one is that they, meal time was like top of the priority list. It was like, hey, we have like three hours for dinner tonight, and you better be there. There's, <laughs> there's nothing else planned. Like you're not bringing your phone. You know, <laughs> yeah. this is, this is a time. This is the highlight of our day every day, and it's, it, it kind of is the same thing, but it is, it's still in the sense of the people who show, show up, our family, our friends, and the place where it is, our home, and it's probably not the most extravagant meal. But it's high quality ingredients from where where people that we know we go to the they went to the market every day to buy their food and they knew the the person who um, you know was selling the eggs they knew the butcher they knew the farmer and even those small interactions in the morning were this sense of community and for me it was kind of the first time that I you know when we were eating at the end of the day it was like I actually knew where the things in our plate were from. And that connection started to build in my mind and that gratitude. And then there's even this more like, oh, I want to, like, I'm looking forward to even the morning to going to the market to support those people yeah. <laughs> and to have that connection, right? And then all of a sudden you realize that your table is also growing <laughs> because you invite those people to dinner, right? <laughs> so there's this just real true sense of community with, with food. And um, it was, you know, I really wanted to study in France. I thought, you know, because I was all about flavor. So I thought, you know, the best chefs go to France to study. And I'm, I'm really grateful that I went to Italy because it was about the most beautiful ingredients and selecting those and, and really treating them with respect and, and really simplicity and bringing them to life in a way that was just, it was relatively simple, but so incredibly delicious. Um, you could just have that perfectly ripe tomato with beautiful olive oil that was harvested, you know, the the farm over. <laughs> and you can you can taste the land, and it's incredible. And so, you know, when I got back to the states, I was like, "Holy crap! I don't even know what I just experienced." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah." I was longing for those nights and those moments, and so I tried. I actually, I was still in college, so I tried to recreate that with my roommates, which was really interesting. <laughs> Most of them had no idea what I was talking about um, in the sense of, you know, wanting to sit for dinner. They just wanted to go to Chipotle. <laughs> um, so then I, I think this is really why I started the company Nona Eats, you know, bringing all these, you know, these chefs really went into other people's homes to recreate those small intimate dinner parties to, to, to bring that sense of like celebration and respect to the table in someone's home. And it still felt a little, um, still not quite there, just because it was, for those people, a celebratory moment. It was a surprise birthday party. It was an anniversary. It was a holiday, which is beautiful, you know. But it was like I still wanted to help and you know inspire this on a day to day occasion. Yeah, because that's where it gets interesting. <laughs> right. So that's um, that's kind of where the this method kind of comes in play. Oh, I love it. So tell me more about Nona Eats. I, I love your company, first of all, and I think it's amazing. And I think it's awesome that you're working with chefs and letting them do what they do as well and yeah. like work in that intimate environment. But I'd love for you to tell our audience more about your company and kind of all of the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, we work with all types of, really all types of chefs, which is mm -hmm. cool. Um, and so from, from my experience working in the food industry, you know, I saw all these chefs and, and I specifically was actually dating someone. So it was very personal in the sense that he loved to cook 
And over the couple of years of him being in a kitchen and being a, you know, professional chef, like his love of cooking just went down because mm-hmm. it is, I mean, if, if no one really, you know, understands the food industry, it's like, it's such a grind. It's really taxing on your body. It's smelly. It's hot, right? It's long hours. It's, you know, typically little pay, right? So it's, it's very depleting. And actually, you know, at the end of the day, many of, of those people, like kind of eat or what, from what I saw, right? Like they even eat more um, convenience food because they don't have the time to eat. And so it was like, oh my gosh, like what can we do to inspire them? Because they deserve to, like, they're amazing chefs and they have amazing cuisine, right? And it's all unique, which is awesome too. And I'm that's what I'm excited about is to get to know these people and get to know what they love and, and how can we bring that into my home so that was kind of you know part of the inspiration and so what we do is really you know work with these chefs to really hone into their authentic cuisine which can also be kind of hard sometimes given you know there's trends in the food industry too the farm to table movement all these things that chefs kind of follow other people and what they're doing rather they don't even sometimes know what's authentic to them you know, if it's tacos, they might feel like that's not, um, that's not fancy enough, but we, we really work with them to, to be, to highlight, you know, whether it's tacos or it is some, you know, crazy elegant (laughs) thing, right? Because there's always, there's always diners looking for something unique. There's always an occasion that calls for tacos. (laughs) So, yeah. And then, so we really work with the chefs to kind of empower their authentic cuisine and then you know find the clients that match perfectly with with them as well and then um yeah bring the chefs in their home and create a really beautiful meal and and it's also interesting to see that connection you know the the i think the diners when they welcome the chefs in their home and they see the chef cooking in their kitchen they get a whole new perspective of, of cooking high quality food, but also their kitchen. They see, oh, okay, this, this was done here. Like I, I might not have those skills yet, but like that there's, there's a little bit of a, you know, progression there in the sense of like, I can do this. Um, and then there's also, you know, the chef is serving the diner. And so that feels like a very intimate moment as well. That connection once again with the food and the gratitude um, that might not be stated out loud, but there is this feeling of like being taken care, taken care of, like a, a mom. <laughs> That's why we call it Nona Eats, like grandma food, right? Because the chef is kind of serving like that or acting like the, the mom or the grandma, kind of really creating a, a nourishing place of, of care and well-being in their own homes. Yeah, and I love that term nourishment. It's something that's really rang true for me for a while. And I think nourishment is different than just feeding yourself. And so can you speak to that a little bit, like more of what makes the experience nourishing? Yeah, that's such a good question. I've never, I don't know if I've ever actually said this out loud, so we'll see. (laughs) But I think, I think like, you know, food, can be fuel and food is fuel for a lot of people. Like I just need a chicken breast and and some broccoli and I'm just going to eat it in in 10 minutes. That's, that could be fuel for some people. Right. Um, and then there's another nourishment. You like when I feel nourished, it's, it's this appreciation of what's on my plate. And it, there's a feeling of like, I can actually, like my shoulders drop and I can feel um, at ease. I am not stressed, I'm not rushed. I feel at home with myself, with my surroundings. And I think, you know, back to like digestion, like that's really important for how we digest our food and, and optimal nutrition. So I think it all kind of goes hand in hand, which is cool. When I feel the most nourished, I'm probably getting the most nourishment. <laughs> yes. I I, totally agree. Yeah. (laughs) But I I also think, you know, this, like I said, I haven't really thought of this prior to you asking, but I I think for for me at least, nourishment comes really with mindful eating. 
really when I take the time to be present, like when I let my shoulders drop, when I can see who I'm with, right? When I can engage in conversation or, or just listen to conversation even. Um, but, and also in that state, it's slower and it takes, it takes more time and I'm, I'm full with less, right? Because I eat, because I eat slower and, and my belly gets full before I know it. <laughs> and all of a sudden I realize like, it's, it's not just the food that's nourishing me. It's this sense of ease. It's this sense of community. And, and even if I'm eating by myself, I can feel that if I know what's on my plate or where it came from and the, or even just having gratitude for the day that feels nourishing to me and or if I took the time to cook it that sense of accomplishment feels nourishing to me so I guess to answer your questions like to me food as fuel just feels like um it feels like a feels like I'm in a video game like Mario Kart or something and I get one of those tokens (laughs) and like I have a power up I'm done but nourishment is is like felt on like every bone of our body and it's it's hard i guess for me to even put it into words so hopefully i described it a little bit (laughs) oh i think you described it perfectly and that's i agree with you i think it's really more than physical right because it's like that emotional spiritual connection as well and the appreciation and the gratitude and i think eating in a state of like coherence where the mind and the heart are involved and kind of on the same uh, wave and you're in that more parasympathetic mm-hmm. state, you're yeah. able to actually digest and nourish your cells. Because if you're eating in a sympathetic state where you're like just rush, fight, or flight, even though you might be eating the most beautiful food in the world, that's going to digest so differently than yeah. food that is spent, you know, eaten with great company and you're happy and you're feeling love and feeling appreciation like that is very different in your body yes totally and that's what I you know share with with our clients it's like you can have the same plate of food and if you're in a stressful state when you're eating it you're actually kind of like you're eating more stress Mm -hmm. you're intensifying that stress whereas if you can get yourself to more of a mindful you know, state of presence, then you can actually digest the food and, and feel that nourishment, which is, yeah, it is hard to put into words, but it's an incredible feeling. Yes. Yeah. A note from our sponsor. Farming for Health is brought to you by Farmer Jones Farm at the Chef's Garden. Farmer Jones Farm provides nutritious, regeneratively grown vegetables to home cooks nationwide. If you are searching for vegetables grown in a way that's healthy for you and good for the planet, try a curated box from Farmer Jones Farm. Get 15% off your order with the code FARMINGFORHEALTH15. So um, how do you stay inspired? I know you talked about kind of chefs losing their inspiration sometimes. How do you personally stay inspired? Totally. That's such a good question. I think I'm... I'm just always in a state of curiosity and exploration. And, you know, it's there is ingredients inspire me, landscapes inspire me, like random stuff all the time will inspire me. Sometimes I'll take a photo of it. Sometimes it'll just be a mental photo. Um, you know, I love to research, <laughs> which is kind of funny. And so like, for example, uh, I'm not going to remember the name of this. And if I do say the name, I'd probably butcher it, but there's, there's something in Japan um, during persimmon season where they, they hang the persimmons and then they actually kind of massage them uh, for a couple of weeks lightly until they, they uh, get preserved in this really beautiful way. So they kind of turn into like a, a sugary, not dried persimmon, right? But like a little bit more plump, sugary, beautiful, I guess it is dried, but, <laughs> but um, it has a little bit more moisture, I guess. So I saw some photo of that, these, these persimmons hanging. And so now all I want to do is, is try that for myself. And I live in Colorado and there's no persimmons around and it makes no sense, but <laughs> there's even, there's even this feeling of like wanting to try that technique with other fruit. So it's like, can I do that with plums? Because those are more local. Like, I don't know. 
so I kind of always have this weird, you know, sense of curiosity that I apply no matter where I am. And I also, you know, being a designer, I think, you know, we, we really focus on design thinking, which is kind of like, it's all about solving problems within restraints or constraints, sorry. Mm-hmm. And so I also really love constraints, like being in the state um, lodge, right? We don't have as much food here. I don't have my normal pantry. Like there's really not much to work with. And I actually kind of love the the curiosity, the exploration of trying to put something together. And it's beautiful how sometimes it's the most, like it's three ingredients and it's still exactly what I wanted. I love how it works out. So yeah. it's, yeah, I guess to me, it's just all about staying curious. Yeah. And with that in mind, tell me something you're eating right now at home that you love, like a simple dish that's maybe seasonal or has, it's pretty vegetable forward. Yeah, totally. Um, well, can I just tell you something that I did last week with yeah. your vegetables? Absolutely. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> right. um, yeah. You, you all sent me some really beautiful seasonal veggies, so mainly roots at this time of year. Yeah. And um, I just, I did a little challenge with myself. Like, what can I make something that's edible in 20 minutes or less? And so I got, I put together parsnip, beef, and then the carrots. And, and some of your beautiful microgreens. But I put some of your carrot marmalade with the carrots. And then I put some garam masala sauteed with the beets and the parsnips. So there's kind of like this earthiness to those. And this sweetness from the carrots and the carrot marmalade. And then I kind of plated those all together. So the, the plate was just the most beautiful thing. Those reds and oranges and white and then top with the microgreens and your edible flowers it was like the most beautiful thing so even before I like I was like nourished before I ate it (laughs) I didn't even need to eat it it was so pretty (laughs) I know that's like the eating with your eyes right (laughs) yeah Yeah. and um yeah I think that's actually at this time of year that's one of my favorite things to do is just like is is mainly root veggies with different Mm -hmm. simple seasonings um, or herbs or something like that kind of sauteed and sometimes I'll just eat them you know on a salad or eat them straight up or put them in a broth for soup or even like I have these almond tortillas I put some of those uh, put it all in there and it's you know beautiful any meal <laughs> Yum, that sounds so yeah. good I love that so let's mention your book too you wrote a book eating by design eating in by design the essential guidebook to redesigning personal and planetary health from home and i love the full description so when you talk about redesigning personal and planetary health from home can we dive into that a little bit yeah totally i think the planetary aspect um can get like overshadowed like we talked about this a little bit in the sense of like health and nutrition if we're really focused on optimizing our own gut and how we're feeling day to day like it's hard to even think about the planet and how our purchases are actually affecting you know our climate um but it actually has a very big impact because like a third of our food is wasted um you know the the big industrial ag right is if you actually look into what that's doing to our soil and to our land and, you know, monoculture, it's, uh, it's pretty devastating <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah. And I think it's like a, a, what is it? Like a fourth of our global greenhouse gas emissions are from the food and ag industry. Mm-hmm. There's like a huge amount. So if we cut that, if we actually, I think there's another thing, right? Like, when we look at climate change and and global warming right like what what's going on it's like we can feel really small and helpless we're like this is huge like how do we stop a natural disaster like do i even have any effect on this like do i need to buy a new car like what do i do right but you can actually look at your your food purchase decisions and make a difference kind of like what we were saying with the cooking too. You can feel the sense of empowerment if you're choosing a biodegradable packaging over plastic. Um, you can you can make really small conscious choices um, simply by you know what you're shopping every single week. And 
the the coolest part of that as well is like if you're reducing a lot of us over purchase when it comes to food we look at the sales and the discounts and all these things and we're like okay we need all these things and then we end up wasting our food and so i forget the number right now but it's it's something like you can you can save an easy fifteen hundred dollars a year with just reducing the you know your food waste which is incredible um, so it, it all kind of goes hand in hand in the sense that if we actually, um, if we start to kind of make conscious decisions, that we start to understand how our purchases are affecting our land and how that is therefore affecting us. Because now we live in this, this world where natural disasters are unfortunately pretty regular. So if we can actually kind of make that connection, like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to make a change here. Even if I just buy more fruits and veggies, you're already reducing a ton of packaging, which is incredible. And you, I'll just one tip, you never have to use those, those uh, plastic grocery bags. <laughs> those are not needed. Um, but you know, small things like that really do make a difference. Um, even here in Colorado, you know, our, we have a, state um, tax on bags so like if we go to the grocery store and they bag our food um, I think it's like 10, 10 cents for every bag that we're charged and so it's this incentive to bring your bag and for me it's like all of a sudden you're just trained to bring your bag and even if I go you know wherever I go within the states or wherever I go grocery shopping like I, I never use one of their bags and so, and those bags add up. So even a small something, small action like that, once we start, you know, getting to a place where we're conscious of those things, we can, we can actually really feel empowered in our own choices and, uh, and make a difference. Yes. I love that. Oh my gosh. I, I think that's so true. And it's something we talk about here a lot as well. Like how can every, like every choice you make, creates a ripple right and so even the smallest the smallest changes can have such a big impact um totally so our podcast is called farming for health when i say that what does farming for health mean to you i would say that it means um well there's kind of a lot of things i would i was lucky enough to have farmer jones on on my podcast and we he was this wealth of knowledge when it came to seasonal food and the nutrient density of seasonal food. And so um, that's something that we we practice and teach in our Eden method. Just really looking at where where is your food coming from and if you try you know, is that really high quality land? Are they are they um, how are they treating the soil? Are there nutrients in that soil? Because if not, then there's not many nutrients in your food. And is is how uh, how long ago was it picked? Because the nutrient density will will drop after mm-hmm. uh, it's picked. So when you say that, I guess my my first thought goes to really number one farming in a way that is sustainable, regenerative, you know, for our land and therefore for the veggies. And therefore, for our health. Yes. I don't know. Is that is that right? Yeah. No, there's no right answer. It's an open-ended question. You can't be wrong. Everyone interprets it differently, but I think that's beautiful. And, you know, I think um, when we talk about farming for health, there's so many different aspects to it. Just like mindful eating or intuitive eating, it's going to hit differently for different people. So Yes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So are there any last thoughts you want to leave our listeners with today? I, um, I think the main thing is uh, I know that like a fourth, it's, no, it's almost a third of our population like doesn't even know how to cook. And there's, there's also obviously a, a larger percentage that just doesn't cook. Mm-hmm. And my last note, I guess you would say, right, is, is just one of inspiration, of curiosity. Can you spark that, you know, inner child, I guess you would say, right, to, to find a love of cooking, to just try it, 
and and to not look at it like you need to be a um, a celebrity chef. Just go in and have fun and and play with your food. And there's no uh, there's no contest or judges. Like just just starting to once again build that relationship and maybe find some joy, some self care within those acts and and see how it might transform your day to day. That's beautiful. And where can our listeners connect with you online? Yeah, I have a website. Um, well, we have two websites, the, the eat in method. You can find that at CallieCavanaugh.com and Nona eats is Nona eats.com. Um, I also have, we have social media accounts linked with, with both of those and starting to produce some YouTube videos. Um, those are all under eat in. But um, we're also going to be coming out with like a, a cooking, a live cooking series. So people can participate in this 20 minute challenge in community in their own kitchens virtually. Um, so they can, you know, you don't have to cook alone. You can find play <laughs> in the kitchen uh, with some other people. I know, like we were saying, it can feel like a chore. So this is really an opportunity to have some fun. Maybe, maybe win a prize if you're a winner. <laughs> and if not, just enjoy the ride. Um, so there's, that's also on event break, but, um, yeah, please reach out if you have questions. <laughs> that sounds so much fun. Oh my gosh. That's yeah. I think <laughs> cooking in community is great and it's just a nice way to like feel connected with other people and connection exactly. is something we're all missing so much. At least I think the majority yeah. of us. And so, yeah. I think that's amazing. And the work you're doing is amazing. Um, and definitely check out both of your websites. I think they're fantastic. So thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Amy. It was such a pleasure. And I'm so grateful to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Farming for Health. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Connect with Farmer Lee Jones and I on Instagram and Facebook.